Good morning. <laughs> I love it, man. The young lions. Look at these guys. Yeah, these guys, these guys are a little reluctant in the morning, I will say. Myself included, I was very tired this morning. Uh, God just showed up in some amazing ways. So what I want to do is I want to take a second to kind of ask some questions to these three gentlemen, um, starting with Anthony. How do you think camp went? It went pretty good. I guess it was a reminder that God can talk to you and he can do it to anyone. Yeah. Amen. Luke, how did how did camp go for you? It was good. Amen. Anything special happen? Uh, God showed me that He could show Himself through anybody. Amen. Including yourself, right? Amen. Gabe, how about you? Camp, well, camp went well. It's taught that every I believe that everyone there grew in God and became more faithful than before. Awesome. Amen. Awesome. It was a great testimonies. We've got so many more testimonies. I want to share a couple. Myself and Kobe and Rachel think of one. Um, we, had, we had kids that never felt like God could speak to them. And one of them last night even mentioned that they thought they were too young for God to speak to them and to prophesy over someone else. But they were able to do that. A couple of them were, were, were a little shy at first, but when they were surrounded by believers, by those in their same age group, willing to go out and step out in faith, God showed up. Yeah. And there were, there were kids who, when they, when they tested the waters... There was a couple, there was uh, Brayden and Josiah, they were, uh, they were together and I said, okay, Lord, I pray that you would give them each a word for one another. And so they, they got quiet and then when they went to share, they shared the word of knowledge. They said, I feel like God is sharing knowledge and the other person's jaw dropped. That's the exact same word I had for you. And it was the Holy Spirit just confirming yeah. that they could hear from God. And it was just a, an amazing, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to see the youth and testing that out. Yeah. So I love to see the kids prophesying over each other and having fun. We had a lot of fun. I want to say something real quick. For those yeah. of you that don't know what prophesy is, it's when the Holy Spirit, of course we have the written word, the Bible, but the Holy Spirit also speaks spontaneously when he wants to say something because God's not dead right so God speaks and God speaks to his kids just like a father and a mother speaks to their children God speaks to us and so prophecy is when the Holy Spirit says something uh, immediate through anybody to somebody else it would never contradict scripture but it will certainly confirm the things that God would be saying anyway and uh, and so the words of knowledge or specific information that the Holy Spirit will tell you about somebody you could not know any other way and that's what God was doing with these teenagers. So, go ahead. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is definitely active and living in these teens. It was incredible to see their boldness increase, but another thing I saw was a team being built. 
I saw many kids who were often by themselves come in and be invited, be greeted by so many people. And in the end, I saw a really powerful team of youth. And that's really important so that they know they can come to one another. They can come to us for prayer. They can encourage one another. And that's what we need in our, in our youth. We need them to be bold enough to stick up for one another and pray for one another. Awesome. Awesome. Kobe. Um, one of one of my favorite things about it is that we would we would do lessons and we break them into groups and we would try to monitor, facilitate them, and we would get like, oh, what do you think God is telling you? We get a lot of like navel gazers, just not. When when we would, what, one of my favorite things is when we step back and doing worship, or maybe they had a one-on-one time when we weren't like facilitating. They let like the Holy Spirit flow through them. So I don't know if they're just shy that we were watching and they, oh, I don't want to say the wrong Christian thing. But it's like when they felt natural and comfortable, I saw some of these kids blossom. And it was an amazing thing that they're saying, amazing people getting touched. Do we have another testimony? So, we have another testimony. Hi, uh, I'm Lily Ettore. Um, so, um, Chris and Rachel texted me this morning. They were like, do you have a testimony that you can share? And I was thinking about how... Um, I had been more prophesying over other people, and I thought that wasn't really my story to share. But uh, then I realized that it's as much as my story as it is the other person's because God is using you to speak to other people. And so uh, yesterday uh, morning we were prophesying, and there was a girl who none of us really knew that well, but she had been there the past few days. She was a cousin of one of the other girls. And so we started prophesying over here, and... Uh, immediately I saw a violin in my mind, but someone was playing the guitar and over the three days, you know, prophesying is kind of risk-taking and a lot of mine have been shots in the dark and it wasn't anything. Um, But, you know, you always hear like, if 99 are wrong and the one is right, then it's worth it. Um, But when I saw a violin, I decided not to say anything. I was like, you know, the other people are really hitting home and I haven't been at all. And, um, So we all prophesied, and then she started speaking about how everything meant so much to her. And she was like, you know, um, music is really important to me. I played the violin and the cello. And I was like, well, I can't say it now, you know, because it's not going to mean anything. But I was like, that's crazy. She had said something like um, that she was struggling a lot, and I was like, that's crazy. And I was like, no, it's not crazy that you're struggling. It's that I saw a violin in my mind, and that music is really important to you. And she was like, that's crazy. And I realized that I had slipped up and I didn't trust God and I second-guessed him and I missed out on a really great opportunity. Hmm. And so if I learned anything, it was a lesson that I had to learn the hard way because you can't second-guess God. And if you slip up, you can miss such a good opportunity. And so I think I definitely grew in that area because um, when you trust God, even if 99 are wrong, the one could change somebody's life. Oh, come on. (laughs) Nice. Awesome, you guys. Um, I don't know if you guys have this experience, too, um, dealing with high school students, but when you say something to them, you really wonder, is like, are, did they hear what I said? Are they processing? Or am I just, like, talking to a wall right now? So, like, it, that's kind of like what we, we were experiencing, too. We were, like, looking for, like, a, yeah, and they're like... So it's like, okay, I, I don't know how... So it's like when, when they do these applications, when they actually move, it's like, okay... <laughs> they got it. Oh my yeah, gosh. It's yeah, like that's that's yeah. all like that was our mission. It's just try to be a platform for these guys to to um be able to access the kingdom, be able to yeah. access the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I, I feel like we hit home with a lot of these um youth. Well last night when I went out to the bonfire um and I just asked the kids, tell me some things God did, I heard some really, really cool testimonies. And and a number of them have never 
been touched by God before. And uh, one gal uh, said that she got touched by the Holy Spirit years ago. It was like fire in her heart and like this physical uh, encounter. And she said she hasn't felt it in years, but Friday night she said she felt the Holy Spirit like that and it's renewed her and it was just so awesome. So you guys did a phenomenal job. Thank you so much. Can't wait till next year. All right, get out of here. All right, Stephanie. Uh, the middle school stays in for worship, then they go out to their class, and the high school stays in. And before we move into the Word, I'm going to uh, invite Anthony Nanula and his children to come up. Anthony um, Anthony uh, was a state senator in uh, New York, and he was the controller of uh, the, the city of Buffalo. And um, his wife was a high school principal, and they felt called by God to come out. Come on up here, Anthony. They felt called by God to uh, come to California, and uh, they found us. And um, we've had a tight relationship, and he uh, feels like God is calling them back to the East Coast. And uh, Anthony has such a heart and a passion for the city of Buffalo, and he wants to see God move there mightily. So I want to pray over you guys before you go. Looks like you lost a kid. Yeah, we lost two kids. All right. Well, so, I'm glad uh, you're here representing. It's our son, Savino, by and, the way, who was about this tall, maybe this tall when we started. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Alexa and Isabella actually are with our wife, my wife Holly. They went to visit a relative this morning. Okay, who we wanted to, she wanted to see before we left. Yeah, I know? love you, man. So I love you too. I miss you. I miss you. <laughs> um, uh, all right. I'm so not, you said you try to... not to get too emotional this all morning. Right. So um, you said you wanted to say a word. And so we'll pray for you. It's the first time I've been up here actually speaking ever. Usually I'm back on the drums, right? Yeah. So, uh, and I actually, I'm not going to go on forever as a long-winded politician, but I do have a few, few notes I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to share. Um, a politician and a preacher together. There you go. Look there at you, we just have a used car salesman. We'll be all set up here, right? <laughs> um, so, Where, Where's Phil? <laughs> Come on, Phil. <laughs> um, Rick Higgins is, is in the congregation today, and... Um, you know, I think one of the first times we came, I, I can't re- remember if it was 2011 or 2012 hmm. we started here, but uh, as we were walking out of the, the uh, sanctuary here, Rick extended his hand and, and said, hello, how are you? Yeah. You know, and almost from that day, I felt a sense of comfort hmm. here, hmm. along with how, how he felt the same way. And we had tried some other churches in hmm. town, and um, the Lord just, that was, that, those weren't our churches, yeah. right? right. And um, so from, really from that moment on, we said, you know what, we're going to plant, we're gonna plant our, our feet here mm. and we're going to make this our church home. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't lo- too long after that, and he's going to get embarrassed here, Savino. But um, Savino came in from church school after, after service and said, you know, Dad, Mom and Dad, I accepted Jesus Christ as Woo! my personal Lord and Savior. Yes. Awesome. He's going to be really awesome. mad at me for sharing that this morning. But, um, you know, uh, not long after that, uh, you know, we launched a business here in town that it nearly destroyed us. Yeah. <laughs> and um, as I was going through the struggle of the business, uh, I needed uh, to really have a, a strong right hand. And there appeared Kyle Otto. Hmm. Right? Yeah. And for some newcomers of the church, Kyle was really an anchor of this church for years. Yeah and a wonderful young man of God, and I had him right in my office next door to me for a good couple of years, yeah. and I don't know what I would have done without Kyle, mm-hmm. but when, when, we were, when the Lord put us together for that season, 
And then not too long after that came along Rachel Riley, right, where the business we got into, my wife became totally involved with, and neither one of us were ever home, and, and the Lord just dropped Rachel into our lives. Yeah. And little did my wife and I know, but we were about to go through a really dark chapter in our marriage. Hmm. And it wasn't long after Rachel started that I offered to have the band practice at the house. Yeah. Yeah, right? no, Ra- Rachel's one of our youth pastors. She was up here married to Chris. And um, in 2016, when uh, my wife and I went through this dark season of our marriage, first of all, it happened in the beginning of January. This man, and Hope, you know, you were such an inspiration to us that year. And I, I, I'll tell you, this church has such an amazing pastor and first lady. Hmm. The growth that you two endured through trying to keep it together here, through Hope's Cancer, and your blog was an absolute inspiration to Holly and I. Yeah. And uh, here you were embroiled in fighting for your wife's life, and mm-hmm. I, made a, I made a plea to you. I, I made a call that was a plea to you, and you said, you know what? I'm heading down from, from uh, Ramona right now. I can be in your office in 20 minutes. Yeah. And within three days, I had a sozo with Rick, Higgins. And Rick told me the next week, you know what? I had blocked that night off. And I look back on my calendar and I don't remember why it was blocked off. But we were able, but God was out ahead of all of this. Yeah. He was out ahead of all of it. Yeah. And he had the band practicing in our house. And he had Rachel taking care of our kids. And he had Kyle Otto at my side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sharing this in part to say thank you to this congregation and this beautiful family. And that's what this place is. It's a family. Yeah. It is a family. And second of all, I want this to be an encouragement to anyone here hearing this testimony because this is an incredibly special place. Mm. And it's so hard. The hardest part of me leaving is to be leaving this church home. Mm. And this incredible pastor and his wife and, and you, this congregation, because what you have is a very, very special thing here. It is a family. It is a family of God. And, and, and just one other quick thing I want to mention. And by the way, our marriage is stronger than ever. Praise Jesus. Awesome. And I know, but for the gathering place, we, I don't know if I could stand here and say that today. Hmm. So... One other thing, one other point I want to make in, in the audience today or in the congregation is my partner in our company, Chalice, Keith Gregg. So in 2016, um, Keith and I were coming together and getting to know each other, and he asked where I went to church, and I said, I go to this place called The Gathering Place. Why don't you come on down? So he comes, and we're in the back, and, and uh, God bless you, John. At the end of service, you say, you, you say to the congregation, does anyone want to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior? And I look over at Keith, and his hand's up, right? Yeah. His hand's up. That's and I'm so- like, uh, do you know what you're raising your hand for over here? He's like, <laughs> you know yeah, I do. Come on, let's go, hand. right? Yeah. So this man, this man accepted Jesus Christ right here in this church and even more powerfully decided to get baptized. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? We had a covenant friendship before our business partnership. Mm-hmm with a company we call Chalice, Yeah. right? Yeah. Chalice. So, again, I'll stop there. Thank you for indulging me this morning. Um, and, and know that 
This church is, we are the body of Christ. This church is a very special family mm-hmm. led by an incredible pastor and his wife um, that, you know what, sometimes people go through for a season. Others, Gary is an example and many others have been here a long time. But those who invest and engage with this congregation and its leadership will be impacted. Amen. Well, go ahead. Well, Anthony, you're a son in the faith. You came and you submitted and committed, served, and that's why you've grown. And Jesus has saved your life, mm-hmm. saved your marriage, your family. And now, um, every time you would speak about the East Coast, I could hear the heart of God for that city. And uh, I am really looking forward to getting reports from you over the next five years to ten years and the transformation that Jesus is going to do in that city. So I bless you. Reach your hands out to these guys. I bless you. I bless your family. Anthony, I lay hands on you apostolically, and I release you, and I send you back to the East Coast to bring the kingdom, to represent Jesus to the business uh, sector, to the political arena, that you bring the wisdom of God, solving problems that nobody can solve because of the wisdom of God. The heart of Jesus was not about you, it's about serving mankind. Your care, Anthony, for the individual is what is different about you. As a political business leader, you care about the individual, not about your own profile. That's why God has exalted you. I pray I see you with a towel like Jesus wrapped around your waist, kneeling down and serving. You could feel that it makes you vulnerable in a dog-eat-dog environment, but God protects you as you humble yourself under His authority. He is the God of all authority, and you never have to fear man, man's authority as you kneel before God and serve that city in Jesus' name. I bless you. I bless your family. I bless your kids. And I pray that you guys will be closer than ever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to miss you, man. Yeah. Okay. And I know i got a place to stay whenever I'm in the East Coast, right? All right. Okay, how are we doing on time here? All right, I'm going to have to rapid preach. Okay, you guys ready? Ready for some word? No? You guys ready for some word? Come on, let's hear from God today. Let's get fed. So uh, for those of you that um, are visiting today, I took a little detour from our teaching series because I felt like... um, I felt like the Lord wanted me to teach on the Holy Spirit, and so I did that one Sunday, and the Spirit of God started to move uh, among us and in us and through us, and uh, so I did it the next Sunday, and He started to move even more powerfully, and then I taught again, and the Spirit of God kept moving. Then Mark taught last week, and I listened to his sermon online, and it was brilliant, and so I'm just not done yet. I don't think, I mean, I don't think God's done yet, so I'm going to teach again today on the Holy Spirit. And today I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit as the helper. 
How many of you need help? In any area of your life, just raise your hand. Financial help, relational help, personal help, right? We all need help. Help is the greatest prayer I could ever pray or you could ever pray. Jesus literally calls the Holy Spirit the helper. I want you to see this in John chapter 14, verse 16 through 18. Now, this is just a few days before Jesus is going to be crucified, raised from the dead, and go to heaven. So he's talking to his closest friends about the most important thing he could talk to them about before he leaves. If you're going to be on your deathbed and your best friends are around the deathbed, you're not going to be wasting words or talking about peripheral things, right? So Jesus is, is laying it down right here. And so we want to pay attention to this because it's about us now because those guys are already in heaven waiting for us. So now this is for us. Here's what Jesus says in John 14, 16 through 18. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Everybody say helper. Jesus clearly believes that we need help. That he may abide with you temporarily. What does it say? Forever. Thank you, Lord. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. In other words, the people in the world, I, before you come to Christ, as I was one of them, we're not even thinking about the Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit? What's the Holy Spirit? Why the Holy Spirit? You know, it's not even part of your language, part of your thought life. The world isn't looking for the Holy Spirit because they don't know he exists. They don't know he's available. They don't know that he is the helper. But it's not like Jesus doesn't want everybody to come to the Holy Spirit because we were all designed to be filled with the Spirit. From the very beginning, God breathed His breath of life, the Holy Spirit, into His first man and woman. And He wants to breathe His Spirit into everybody on the earth, on the planet right now. Because we need help. And the Holy Spirit is the helper. So many times we relate just to Jesus. But we're going to see how Jesus says, your relationship with me is through the Spirit. That's why we need to honor the Holy Spirit, welcome the Holy Spirit, talk to the Holy Spirit, pray to the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to help us pray to God, the Holy Spirit. Nothing happens in your life unless it comes through the Holy Spirit. They neither see Him nor know Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you. They were, the Holy Spirit was dwelling with the disciples, the early friends of Jesus, because the Holy Spirit was in Jesus, and Jesus was with the disciples. So that's what He says, the Holy Spirit dwells with you, watch this, and He will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. I want to read a couple more scriptures regarding Jesus talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how much in chapters 14, 15, 16, three big chunks of scripture, of dialogue, Jesus is teaching his close friends about the importance of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 25 and 26, he says it again. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But, here he says it again, say it out loud. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Thank you, Lord. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said. 
The Holy Spirit is a teacher. He's the teacher. He's the spirit of truth. That's why the world is in such chaos. What is truth? Well, the Holy Spirit knows everything about everything, and God has sent him to you as a follower of Jesus Christ. So he can open our understanding and tell us anything about anybody or anything. He knows it all. So the closer we get to the Holy Spirit, communion with the Holy Spirit, the more we understand about everything. You know, the word helper, well, I'm going to read this in a couple more scriptures here, and then I'm going to talk to you about what the word helper means. John 16, 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, again, say it out loud, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. See, this helper is not humanly given. It is not a help from the earth. It's not a financial counselor. It's not a marriage counselor. It's not a strength trainer. All of, the, all of these are good. We all need help. But every human being, no matter how skillful we are, how wealthy we are, how educated we are, we are severely limited. I mean, even a multi-billionaire is limited when you compare him to God. I was driving with one of my kids uh, the other day. I can't remember which one. And we were talking about heaven. I can't. We were talking about heaven. And I said, I think maybe it was Josiah. And uh, we were talking about how on earth gold is the most precious metal we have. Metal? All right, there we go. Gold. Could you imagine having a stack of gold bars? How many would like a stack of gold bars? Yeah, if you don't want yours, I'll take them. And could you imagine if you died and we were allowed somehow to take your gold bars with you to heaven? You think you are loaded. And you walk up to the gates and there's Peter. And he opens the gates and he says, welcome to heaven. And he says to you, why do you have, why do you have uh, asphalt? Why do you have chunks of blacktop? Because the apostles, Paul, Apostle John saw heaven. Jesus opened his eyes. He got to visit heaven. And the streets in heaven are paved with transparent gold. How many of you ever worked out before and you've ever bench pressed? Anybody? How many of you ever bench pressed? Raise your hand. You try to bench press, right? And not on the machine. I'm talking about free weights. Yeah. How many of you ever tried to bench press without anybody around and you got into trouble? That's an enigma. I used to work out. Exactly. I used to work out. <laughs> yeah. I used to work out down in my basement, and what I would do is when you're trying to press without a spotter, a spotter is one that's behind you, and as you're trying to press like this and you reach your limit, 
The spotter grabs the bar and says, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And they help you up with it. They help you do like three more. And they're saying, all you, it's all you. That's a lie, by the way. (laughs) Just to psych the person up, right? Right? And so you're able to go beyond yourself with a spotter. You don't have a spotter. What I would do is I would not put the locks on the ends so that when you get it stuck on your chest and you can't breathe, and then you roll it down here and you don't want to roll it past here, right? If you haven't had, anyway, so, and so what you do is something very smart for your spine is you just tilt it like this until all these weights fall off, clang, and then of course the other weights on the other end, right? Bam! Like that. The spotter is critical for your safety, but also for you to go Beyond what you could humanly possible. The word paraclete, the word helper, the word Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I will send you another helper. The word another means one just like me. And helper means come alongside to help you. An advocate. Look what the, book, look what the Amplified says here. John 16, 7 Amplified. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby. He's everything that you and I would need. Will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him the Holy Spirit to you to be in close fellowship with you. The Holy Spirit is a supernatural spotter. You come to the end of yourself and he says, come on, we can do more. And then he starts going... And you're just going like this. And you're, Woo! That's a supernatural spotter. You can do 225 10 times. And before you know it, you've done it 100 times. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He expands our knowledge, expands our wisdom, expands our love, expands our faithfulness, expands and deepens our peace. He's changing us into... One that looks just like Jesus. That's his job. Look what Jesus says in John, 4, John 16, 12 through 15. He's still, it's the same discourse. He just keeps talking about the Holy Spirit. How important is the Holy Spirit? Jesus says this in John 16, 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. In other words, if I tried to tell you things that I know Jesus is saying, you wouldn't even understand what I'm talking about. But watch this. Everybody say, but. but. However, when he, well, actually it was however. Say however. however. When he, not it, not an energy force, he, Because the Spirit, when He said, I'll send you another helper, that word another means one exactly like me. Well, the reason it's exactly like Jesus is because the Holy Spirit is Jesus. In fact, the book of Acts calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. It's Jesus inside of you. This is not a self-help program. Did you guys know that? Christianity is not a self-help program. It's a help program.
the more dependent, the more you come to the end of yourself, the more you realize how limited you are as a human being, the more the Holy Spirit you get. You know, we are created in God's image, so we have ingenuity and we have strength and we have, we have knowledge and we can innovate and we're just so impressed with ourselves. And we should be because we're made in God's image, but we are so limited, it's apt, I mean, I don't even think it registers on heavenly, heaven's scales about how unimpressive we are without God. God created Adam and Eve to walk with Him. And he expands everything. It's like we have a little and then he makes it a lot. And so it takes trials, it takes failure, it takes years of growth to come to realize how limited we are. It takes sometimes broken marriages, failed businesses, sickness or disease. It takes sometimes the hard hits of life until we realize we're just really not all that in a bag of chips. We're broken human beings. And we need God. And the more of that revelation you get, the more of the Holy Spirit you get. That's why the Apostle Paul, who was wealthy, powerful, connected politically, religiously, he was killing Christians. He had, a, he had the command of, of Romans, uh, Roman soldiers to wipe out believers. He was trying to crush the church. And Jesus appears to him, knocks him off his horse, blinds him, then unblinds him, fills him with the Holy Spirit. He becomes the Apostle Paul. And then he says this, I have learned to actually brag about my weaknesses because I have learned that when I am weak, then I am strong because the Spirit of Christ rests upon me three patty cakes is all we got jesus i'm so sorry it's got to be my preaching i'm telling you humility is the key okay i still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now however When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. That's prophecy. That's future. Showing you things to come. He will glorify me. That means shine a light on Jesus so we can know him. He'll take of what is mine and declare it to you through dreams, visions, revelations, the word of God, other people prophesying over you. He will take from what, uh, what's of Jesus and show it to us. All things the Father has are mine, Jesus says. Therefore, I said to you, he, the Holy Spirit, will take of mine and he will declare it to you, reveal it to you, impart it to you. I'm going to give you a couple quick examples of this, and then I'm going to have to close up because I'm uh, going to be running out of time here. But Jesus said that it was to your and my advantage that he goes away. That's just so hard for us to understand. Could you imagine have being the first friends of Jesus? You've left your families. You've been kicked out of the house because you're following this radical rabbi, been kicked out of the only temple in town, so you have no religious affiliation anymore. In a small town, that means everything. You've lost most all your friends because you believe that you are following the Messiah. 
who's going to overthrow the Roman government and be the most powerful political leader the world's ever seen. And you are in his cabinet. You are right at his right hand. In fact, James and John's mom decided to try to get his, her two sons to be sitting with Jesus in his political capital. And she said, I want my sons to be sitting in your right hand and your left hand in your kingdom. So they're all trying to ride Jesus' coattails into power. And Jesus says to them, it's to your advantage that I go away. Like, what? What? What do you mean? Like, you going to town for lunch? You're going to go visit a relative for a couple days? When are you coming back? Huh? What? Yes, yeah, to your advantage that I go away. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, big boy. We left our families, our businesses. I had a, I had a prosperous fishing business when you told me to follow you. We lost our friends. My fr- our families think we're crazy. We can't go back to the temple. What are you talking about? The word advantage is like a military term where if you're in battle, you want to be up on a hill. You build your castle on a hill. Or you build the walls really high so you're up high. You have an advantage on the enemy as they approach. You can see. Jesus said it's to your advantage. It'll be better for you. If I leave you, it just blew their mind. They had no idea what he was talking about. He says because if I don't leave, the Holy Spirit won't be sent to you. But he did leave and the Holy Spirit was sent. I'm going to give you a couple of characteristics of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to make this a little practical here before we, before we close up. A lot of times, when, especially when I talk about the Holy Spirit, I talk about power, dunamis. Because we need power. We need addictions broken. We need sickness and disease broken. We need supernatural things. We need the powers of the enemy broken off. But that's just one dimension of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit relates to all of us in every area of our lives. And there's this beautiful description of the Holy Spirit in the book of Isaiah. And I want to read this. And this is, this is talking about how, what the Holy Spirit was like when he, when he rested upon Jesus. We've seen how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. That was his power ministry. But here's a whole other dimension of the Holy Spirit that is for you as well. Look at this, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 5. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. This is talking about Jesus. It's metaphorical. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord, everybody say the Spirit of the Lord, will rest on Him. The Spirit of the Lord resting on Jesus. How much more do you and I need the Holy Spirit resting on us? If Jesus needs the Holy Spirit resting on Him. The Spirit, listen to these characteristics of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of wisdom. How many of you need wisdom? The Spirit of understanding. How many need more understanding? The Spirit of counsel. How many of you need counsel? The Spirit of might. How many of you need physical strength? The Spirit of knowledge. How many of you need more information? And the fear of the Lord. Not being afraid of God, but not being flippant with God. This pure respect and honor for God is only possible through the Spirit 
of the Lord. He will not delight in, he will, he will delight in obeying the Lord. And he will not judge by appearance or make decisions based on hearsay. That can only be done by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to hit two, two aspects of this. Um, the first thing he calls the Spirit is the Spirit of wisdom. How many of you need more wisdom? I need so much wisdom, man. It just makes my brain break sometimes trying to figure out issues, relational issues, whether it's marriage, whether it's parenting, whether it's pastoring, whether it's friendships or neighbors. Relationships, they're tough, aren't they? And you need wisdom, the mixing mercy and truth. Where's the right mixture? Should I be tender or tough? Wisdom in business, problem, trying to solve problems. In ministry, wisdom. The Bible says wisdom is the most important thing. I want, let's, let's watch, as my son Josiah says, let's, let's watch God drop some God knowledge on somebody. Okay, here we go. Solomon, 1 Kings 3. Verse 3 through 15, Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burnt incense on the local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was Gibeon, and as the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings, so he's seeking God, that night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. Not without the Holy Spirit. And God said, isn't this awesome? What do you want? Ask, and I'll give it to you. Woo! Come on, how would you like to have that dream? <laughs> Exclamation point. Ask, what, what do you want? I'll give it to you. God was so moved by his desperation for help. Solomon replied, you showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, Lord my God, you've made me king instead of my father David, but I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great numerous they can't be counted. How many of you ever felt like a little child that doesn't know his way around? You get promoted at work. I, I, I actually want to see your hand. You get promoted at work and you're in over your head. Raise your hand. I've counseled so many people. I've had so many people tell me that. They're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Right, Josh? (laughs) Not to point anybody out, but that was about a year and a half ago. But now now he's riding the horse, standing up on it with the reins in his hands. But boy, he was drowning. But I knew God promoted him. And it was over his head, and I knew why. One, God's raising Josh up to be a leader, and he's training him. Two, because he wanted to get Josh into a place of desperation so that Josh would not be impressed with himself anymore, be, realize he came, had that bar on his chest, rolling it down, and he can't breathe. And he said, help! And God started giving him wisdom. And now he's in a completely different place. So there's two levels of prayer. One level of prayer is when you need blessing and you can't even pay your bills. The other prayer is when you have so much you don't know what to do with it and you need, the, you need wisdom for stewardship. Now I remember you've been at both places and now you're up on top asking wisdom for stewardship. It's a beautiful thing to watch God's work. And I've seen it in many people in our congregation over the years. People have their first baby, 
You know, you just feel like you're, you don't know what you're doing. I remember when you and I pulled up to the house after our firstborn, Elliot, was born. Remember that? We pulled up to the house on Cuckoo Street. And we're looking to, look, we, looked, we both looked back at him, and he's got this little pacifier in his mouth, and he's in the chair, and he's going, just staring at us. And I thought, he's going to die. <laughs> if he is dependent on us to know what we're doing, he's going to die. I didn't sleep for like months because she would put him in the bed with us. And I'm like, don't put him in the bed. I'm going to roll on top of him. I couldn't sleep. I was like freaking out. The learning curve. Now after, you know, by the third or fourth, it's like, eh, take care of yourself. You'll make it. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about you drop the pacifier on the ground with the first one. Oh, my God, we got to throw it away and buy a new one. Or you sterilize it, you know. I mean, you wash it in hot water, you know. The second one, you're like, oh, we just kind of brush it off a little. By the third one, it's like, oh, they eat dirt anyway. I'll make it. So he prays, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between the right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord is pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for long life or wealth of the death of your enemies... Although his dad did, and he got those prayers answered, so that's a different story. I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart, such as no one else has ever had or will have. Wow. And, will, and I will also give you what you have not, did not ask for, riches and fame. So God's not opposed to those things. He just doesn't want us going after riches and fame, but he will give it to us if he wants to. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow my... Me and my, uh, obey my decrees and commands as your father David did, I will give you long life. Then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. You say, oh, well, that was just a dream. But you know what the next story is in the Bible? A couple women come, they have a major, major problem with a famine and they bring it to Solomon. And all of a sudden, he said, okay, do this. And it solved the problem. And it was like, wow. How did you come up with that? A dream. God was able to literally drop physical, divine wisdom into a man's heart through a dream. Because God is God. Kings and queens came from around the world to visit him just to ask him questions. I met the, uh, the current CEO of Promise Keepers the other day. We had a cup of coffee. And he said, I was a police officer in South, uh, South L.A. And I worked a gang unit. And he was telling me about that. And he said, and then somebody asked me, I retired, and somebody asked me if I would be the CEO of a business. And he said, I didn't know a thing about business, but I felt like God wanted me to do it. He said, I I didn't know anything about business. He said, so I got on my knees and I prayed and asked God for wisdom to be a CEO in a business. And he said, we'd go into board meetings and he said, I could not believe the answers coming out of my mouth to the point where he ended up being the CEO of a global real estate organization 
and he retired in his mid-40s, his wisdom was so profound that he was sought after by corporations all over the world. And then Promise Keepers asked him if they would, he would be the new CEO of Promise Keepers, and the Lord told him to come out of retirement and do that. And so we were meeting because of that. But he, I said, oh, he did a Solomon on you, because he did a Solomon on me. The first attribute we looked at the Holy Spirit was the spirit of wisdom. The second was the spirit of understanding. I'm going to give you one more example here of a tangible example of this. Um, I tell my, my kids all the time, and I talk to, well, not that Hope doesn't know this, but I would mention to her when she was coming up against a test or an exam or a, a subject she doesn't understand or they don't understand, I'll say the Holy Spirit knows everything. Ask Him for help. When you've reached your limit, you don't understand math problems, you don't understand certain enigmas, you're trying to solve a riddle, a problem, whatever. The Holy Spirit knows everything. Now, you can't just be a bum and have the Holy Spirit just dump understanding on you and you get a 4.0. God doesn't play like that. You've got to press every ounce you have of your human, human ability until you can't press anymore and then say, God, help me, I need to go further. And then, whoop, he just gives you the boost. And so the spirit of understanding is what I was talking about. So Bella and I were talking, and she had taken the SAT twice, and she got a 1380, and she needed at least a 1430, I believe, because she was going for a G. Is that right? I know, but you asked, I think, if I remember, you said, let's go for a 1430, and I said, and then we, I said, well, let, why don't we go over and above? Okay, erase that. So she had a 1380. She took it twice and flatlined at 1380. And she needed a 1450 to get the scholarship she needed, and that we needed her to get. And so we prayed and agreed. And she's a woman of faith, man. She just believes God. We prayed and believed for 1450. Now, you don't take the SAT twice and get a 1380 and jump to a 1450. Like, like when I told the principals about this faith exercise, the high school principals I'm in relationship with here in, in the city, obviously they're all educators, and when I told them the story, they were just all were shocked that, like, like how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you just jump that gap? So she, she uh, we were believing God together, and she studied her brains out, but it wasn't going to happen unless it was supernatural, so we just threw a 1450 number out there. And uh, she was at school, and I was working. All of a sudden, I got this text, and this is what she texted me. Look at that. Now, I want to say to you, it's really obnoxious when people brag about their children, especially in public. I'm doing that. No, I'm kidding. No, that's not the point of me bringing this up. It's just a real tangible illustration of somebody who is blocked They need to go further, but they've come to the end of their human capability. And they need the helper who knows every answer on the SAT. And she asked the helper for help. And she didn't get a 1410 or a 1420 or 1425 or a 1432. She got exactly what she asked for. Yeah, Chris. 
You all know I have more to say, right? I just, uh, my time's up, so. All right. Youth pastor's taking over. Awesome. <laughs> so I felt like the application for this message, I mean, you had that verse and there was like seven things on there and we got through wisdom. I know. Spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, <laughs> spirit of might, spirit of counsel, spirit of the fear of the Lord. Amen. So I wanted to touch on wisdom for a second. So what, we had all the youth ask God what, what was the gift they wanted to pursue? What were the things on that list? And one of them specifically wrote, I want to have more wisdom. I want to have the, the gift of wisdom. Hmm. And that was a couple of weeks ago before this camp. And yesterday we did an exercise where I had everyone open up the word of God. And I said, we're going to ask God to lead us to a verse. And just like Bella, she went and pursued God in her moment where she wanted that wisdom and knowledge. We gave God an open door to say, God, you're going to speak to me some wisdom. And I and I love it because that, that youth who asked God for a gift of wisdom, he opened to 1 Kings 3. No. And I didn't even realize it at the time that it would be connecting with this message, but God was giving him exactly what he was asking for. He asked for wisdom, and he opens up to that passage about Solomon getting wisdom? Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> he was so lucky. <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. The Bible is a pretty big book, so I don't know if you've ever <laughs> opened it randomly before, but there's a lot of scripture in there. So if, if you guys want the gift of wisdom, I would ask right now that we could just close our eyes. That's good. And that we could just focus on God for a moment. God, I pray over this congregation that you would give us the gift of wisdom. That we'd be bold and we would know where to get it. We could come to the word of God, we can open it, and you can guide us to a verse. And that verse is going to lead us to the right decision. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray. I'm going to agree with Chris here. Let's just keep praying for a moment. I pray, Father, as the Apostle Paul did for the Ephesian church, that you would give to us the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom in revelation and the knowledge of you. We pray for wisdom for our government, God. Yes, Lord. Our world is just a disaster. We pray for wisdom. For our president, President Trump, for his cabinet, for the Democrats, for the Republicans, for the House, for the Senate, for the independents, for every governor in our, our land, God, we pray you heal our land. We need godly, divine wisdom. Lord, you said for judges, yes, one of the requirements is they must fear the Lord and not take a bribe. We pray, Father, as, a, as, as your church right now, that you would raise up godly men and women who fear you, respect you, and honor you, and will not take a bribe. Honest, true men and women with integrity. Yes, Lord. Heal our land, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray for the youth that are going back into school soon. 
that they would uh, experience wisdom like they've never known before. That caused them to rise up into leadership because of their ability to solve problems and riddles and issues. Some will be counselors because they have the wisdom to solve relational uh, conflicts. The wisdom to overlook matters, not be easily offended. The wisdom to help teachers and to calm classrooms. Wisdom in their sports teams, helping the coaches. Because they're, they're youth with wisdom, like Daniel. Let's all stand and just welcome the Holy Spirit. I hope this has provoked you to to deeply depend on the Holy Spirit so you don't end up with that barbell on your chest. Let's welcome the Spirit.